It's Thursday, February 26th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Molly Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Happy Thursday. Happy snowy Thursday. Yes, I was able somehow to make it in through the two inches of snow on the grass. <laughs> uh, at some point, it's actually going to he- heat up. Spring will actually arrive, and then all of this nonsense will we'll stop. We'll just be talking baseball. We'll on just the show. be talking baseball. <laughs> Warning: two months from now, listeners, if you don't like baseball, don't tune into tune into our show. You know what? I think uh, once we get really close to opening day. Um, because I don't so opening day, April sixth. That's a gosh, that's a Monday. I want to say, so Dan Boyd, who's behind the glass right now, Nats fan, Dan Boyd. I don't think he's going to be here because I know he has tickets to uh, Washington Nationals baseball opening day, but we'll see. Just yeah, to tape a little early. Wait, maybe we'll do that. Oh, because it's a four o'clock start. You said. Yeah, I'm not coming in. You're, <laughs> you're in the industry. Do you still still say tape here? Uh, just out of habit, yeah. yes. Even though we don't actually use tape, um, let's get to the topics at hand. We've got a big deal in the coffee industry. We're going to dip into the full mailbag. A great question involving uh, shorting to some degree. But let's start with some earnings from L Brands, which is the parent company of Victoria's Secret. Fourth quarter profit and revenue came in higher than expected. Normally. You expect to see good things out of the stock. The stock was down about half a percent right before we came in the studio. What's going on here? This looks, on the face of it, like they had a really good quarter. Are, are you making a big thing out of being down a half a percent? For I, I'm I'm not saying that's a big drop, but the the beat they had on the profit side was was pretty substantial. This was not one of those. Oh, they they beat by a penny. They beat by a bunch of pennies. Again, it looked like. Yeah, it looked they, like they, a strong quarter. They, they, it looked like a strong quarter. They gave uh, sort of muted guidance for the rest of the year, and, and that eclipses uh, past performance because all stocks are really valued if they're valued appropriately on discounted future cash flows. And the discounted future cash flows look a little bit milder, not significantly so, but a little bit milder than you would have uh, or than analysts collectively had assumed. Going into the quarter, so yes, they did a good job on operations for the last quarter, uh, and looking forward, just slightly, slightly lower guidance than what they had. This is always uh, a great opportunity for financial television channels uh, when they're talking about Al Brands four times a year with the quarterly earnings. They get to show video footage. Of the Victoria's Secret models. Yes. Obviously, we don't have that advantage here. Um, if you had that advantage, uh, we'd pr- you'd be doing it. We'd probably be doing it. Um, but but I will say this. Um, uh, say what you want about the Victoria's Secret models. Uh, as an investor, uh, it's the stock performance that has caught my attention. I was just looking over the last you know one, two, five years. This is this is a really strong market beater. Um, and I spent a little time this morning reading up on a gentleman by the name of Leslie Wexner, who has been running L Brands. He's in his late seventies. He's been running this company for forty or fifty years. And I don't know. Is it is it possible that? So we talk sometimes about stocks that 
investors will discount or avoid for one reason or another. And in some cases, that is uh, just because of what the business is. So, there are people who say, I don't want to invest in tobacco stocks. So, uh, it, it removes a whole section of investors from the investing pool, and uh, you can take advantage of that opportunity if you if you're if you're not bothered by that. I'm wondering if L Brands sort of falls in the same category from this sense, that there are some people who look at Victoria's Secret, and again, this is a company that has a portfolio of brands, but Victoria's Secret is the best known, and I'm wondering if there are investors who are just like, well, that's, you know, that's, that's a little too salacious for me, I don't want to be involved in that, or they get distracted and they think, well, gosh, I mean, yes, the women are beautiful in their lingerie, but what is the business really? Well, what is the business? It's a market beater, that's what it is. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if there are socially responsible funds that are excluding on the basis of salacious ads. Um, I, I haven't followed them enough to to know whether that's put in the same category as guns and alcohol and gambling. And I wasn't putting it in the in in the exact same category, but I guess I I think that this is a business that it's it's easy for some investors. To just be distracted by one aspect of it, and there, and as a result of that, they avoid it. Possibly, I, I you know, it, it's while it's had a great five years. Uh, you know, if you look at the the sort of fifteen years preceding that, not this is not a straight up sort of compounding machine uh, dating back to the the, the late eighties. Uh, they went through a lot of different. You know, Victoria's Secret was a a pretty small part of the story back then. You were really talking about the limited. That's where L Brands comes from. Uh, Now, uh, um, Bath and Body Works is, uh, they've actually got more Bath and Body Works stores than Victoria's Secret stores, which is hard to believe, but uh, is the case. Uh, So, it's possible that some people miss this. The Victoria's Secret part of the business has been, I think far and away the the the, the you know compounder the the grower the, the thing that just never seems to have a fashion miss, whereas limited and some of the other things that have passed through this this company over the years, uh, you know, have their ups and downs as do most retailers, which have are just in fashion and then out of fashion. Victoria's Secret, I don't know, have they ever been out of fashion that that you can think of or? or I'm not sure how qualified we are to, to <laughs> judge some parts of, of that, uh, you know, the the fashion sense. But boy, they they just are a juggernaut, and they don't ever seem to have any missteps. Last question on this: When it comes to the stock, is is this a, as you said, this isn't been a compounding machine forever, but it has had a great five year run. Is it at the point now where it is a little richly valued, and that's why again the stock is not dropping on this guidance, but it's also not up on a strong quarter, and I'm wondering if just on a basic valuation basis, this is a stock that the average trader on Wall Street goes, eh, this is you know this is a, a a really well-run business and it's on a great run, but I'm not looking to buy it at this price. Yeah, I think that at a uh Price to earnings ratio right now of twenty eight. That's pretty rich for any uh, fashion retailer. Uh, I, I don't know that you can maintain that kind of valuation outside of a richly uh, priced market and continuing excellence. Uh, 
So if either of those things disappear, uh, some hiccup in their operations or the market as a whole starts taking a few steps back, which I think we'll talk about in reference to you know, one of the reader's questions, uh, then, yeah, th- this is one of the places that will get sold off for sure, because it's a great company, uh, but there there's a limit on what you should pay for, you know, for the earnings stream. Dunkin' Brands is expanding, but this is not about the store footprint of Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, Dunkin' Brands announced new deals with J.M. Smucker and Keurig Green Mountain to expand the distribution of its K-Cup single-serve coffee pods. Uh, Smucker is going to distribute into grocery chains and drugstores and club stores, and Keurig Green Mountain is going to distribute into specialty retailers and office superstores. And shares of Dunkin' Brands up around four percent this morning. I didn't. I, this is obviously good news for the business, and and the stock is reacting appropriately, I think. But I guess I didn't realize that up until these deals, that the only place you could buy the Dunkin' Donuts coffee K cups was in the stores themselves. So I. So part of me wants to say, well done, Dunkin' Brands, on these deals, and part of me wants to say. What took you so long? Well, what what took them so long is that Smucker's has the licensing and and the distribution for their their bagged coffee. So if you you've seen bags of Dunkin's beans in in the uh, store and uh, but not the K cups and because the K you know the the agreement and the distribution on the the bags goes back further in time. Uh, Smucker's being the largest you know, coffee seller in the world, I think. Uh, with Folgers being the main brand there, but a number of other ones that you've that you've heard of, and th- then K Cups came along, and Duncan figured, well, we can keep all the profit for ourselves if there's that much demand for it. Let's just sell them in our stores, where you know we sell the coffee in our stores, uh, we'll sell the K Cups in our stores, and we'll get all the all the money rather than splitting it with with Smuckers. Uh, and at this point, they've decided, you know what, we the Purchasing habits of people are, are such that we we've got the agreement that if we sell in stores any of our coffee, it, it's going to be it's got to be through Smucker. So they didn't have the option to just run that stuff into the stores uh, without doing so. And the growth of the opportunity there is enough to to pursue now. It's a smart move, uh, particularly since coffee is delicious <laughs> and incredibly healthy. Incred- and for yeah. those for those that think that I'm I'm you know joking about that that I mean it's now recommended right well uh, the, I mean we talk from time to time about how it seems like every four to six months another study comes out from another institution where it's about we we've tested coffee drinkers um, with various symptoms and it makes them healthier like it's yeah. just it's I mean at, at one point I think you and I were keeping a list of all the things that coffee according to these studies was helping with it's like oh it helps guard against Alzheimer's disease Alzheimer's and cancer being the, the ones right. that I am more and more concerned with so <laughs> that I, I drink more and more coffee in pursuit of some defense well what I was actually going to say is coffee is one of those things that um, that I, I, I think a lot of people are very brand loyal. Uh, about and so if what kind of brand are you drinking? Right I'm now? drinking. We are both drinking coffee right now. We are. I'm drinking Dunkin' Donuts coffee. I'm, I'm drink. I happen to be drinking Pete's coffee because that's what's in our currently in our office machine. Right. Yeah. 
Um, but you went out and bought some Dunkin' Donuts coffee this morning. I did. Because you're from Boston, kind of. <laughs> it was on my way you're to work. You're from New England. I'm from New England, yes. You're contractually obligated to buy a certain number of pounds of coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. You know, yeah, we don't publicize that in New England, but yeah, that is yeah. that is part and parcel of of the agreement. If you grow up in New England, it's like you know, once you hit eighteen, then you know, someone from the state government pulls you aside and said says, "Well, this is this is what you got to buy a certain number of yeah. munchkins every once in a while. You bring those into the office, sure." But it, it, I think you know, to your point about the market opportunity is finally there for them. It it, it makes a lot of sense because if they can, even though the prop, they're going to make less on the profit side, if they can get more people saying, "Well, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and try that," and and liking it, then it's only going to lead to more sales down the line. Right. I mean, the thought that look, we'll, we'll keep all the sales in store, and if somebody wants the K cups at all, they'll have to come into our store. Buy them. They'll buy a few donuts. They'll buy a cup of coffee while they're doing it, and and that's probably all true. And there probably was a certain amount of demand that that pulled into the stores uh, to get there. But I, I think the demand that you know the, the convenience of just being able to get it off the shelf is far greater. Radio at fool dot com is our email address. Got a question from Chris Abellis, listener number four thousand twelve. He writes, "I have cash." Really? In- yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> He writes, I have cash in my portfolio as a hedge against drops in the market so that when it, when it goes down, I have cash to buy into all of those awesome deals. But why shouldn't I buy a bear ETF or possibly a leveraged bear ETF as an even better hedge against a downturn in the market? I realize this strategy requires me to know when to sell, but just having any cash also requires me to know when to buy. What's the difference? It's a great question. Uh, for those unfamiliar, what is a bear ETF? Uh, a bear ETF is an exchange-traded fund, which is either managed or indexed uh, to run counter uh, to one of the indexes, uh, that gives you profits when the market goes down. Or if it's a managed ETF, profits when the stocks selected by the fund manager you know, go down because they're shorting. Uh, and you know the best sort of long-term example. and I, the, So, the reader is not asking about a long-term investment. He's a listener, this. not a yeah. reader. This is a podcast. He, he can read. <laughs> Fair point. I wasn't saying he couldn't read. I'm saying this question. I'm saying that's a more important and, you know, uh, achievement than listening <laughs> is, is reading. I mean, I don't know what goes on in your household. Please continue. <laughs> uh, he's also a writer. Not just a reader, and uh, you can look at the Federated Prudent Bear Fund, Bear X B E A R X, and it shows the long-term returns of this fund, which is managed by uh, David Tice uh, or has been, uh, and it's it's a negative return over the years because when you're short the market all the time, uh, you lose money against an ascending market. Uh, and when the market is going down, you make money. So if if the uh, if the listener uh, feels that he is able to time the market, being in an ETF will give him you know a bigger return uh, than than cash will when the market goes down. But that's just a, a matter of knowing or, or thinking that you you have the ability to time the market. I certainly am sympathetic to the view that this market is very pricey. So I, I don't dismiss that. I don't dismiss the possibility that 
uh, he or or she or, or uh, sorry, it's a he, right? It's a he, and uh, will make money uh, timing uh, the market right, but it's it's not a good long term strategy. And and in a leveraged ETF, one of the things to understand is that that's a really short term instrument. You don't want to be you don't want to hang your hat on that for a long period of time because of the way that the options in it work, uh, the volatility. Uh, it kills your returns if you invest for a long time. If, if you're just day trading with with an ETF, an leveraged ETF, uh, that's fine. But you know, it, it, you do not. When the market goes down ten percent over three months, and you've got a two x ETF, you don't get twenty percent return. You you end up getting far less. Have you shorted stocks before in your lifetime? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've said before that I have not, and I've said before that if the time comes where I ever short something, I know that just from a temperament standpoint, because one of the things I was thinking when you were talking there was just the sleep factor, and I feel like if I ever were short, you, were you? I didn't say anything about sleep. No, no, no. But that's. But were you falling asleep? Was did I go on that long? I guess our listeners can weigh in on whether or not you went that long. No, I just think if if I ever short something, I know with my own temperament, I'm going to have to have a greater conviction about that investment than any stock that I am long on, just because I, I won't. I, I need to be dead certain that this is a business that is going on its way to zero, because otherwise, I personally am not going to be able to sleep well at night. Well, that's one way of shorting. You don't have to be dead set on the business being going to zero. You could say L Brands, great business, but wow, the stock is expensive, and I think the market's going to turn on, and I'll be able to make a little money by being on the other side of that bet as as people get more interested in in cash than just perpetually holding stocks. I mean, the day will come when the market goes down. That's that's a certainty, and uh, those who are in ETFs, uh, bear ETFs at that time, will make some money, but. Uh, it's about market timing. If that's a strategy that you want to uh, try to perfect, then then um, hopefully it works out for you. Uh, at times when the market's hitting all-time highs, like now, uh, although it's passed through a lot of other all-time highs, uh, getting to this one, you know, being short the market has been a bad call for quite a while now. Before we get to more email, I want to mention uh, next Monday and Tuesday is Fool Fest. Uh, we've got hundreds of members of our Motley Fool One service, Supernova Pro, a million dollar portfolio coming in from uh, all parts of the country. Uh, and I know at least a couple of our listeners are, are coming in for that. So I will be emceeing that event both days, Monday wow. and Tuesday. But we will we will have. Some market foolery. Don't worry. We're gonna we're gonna take care of that. It'll just be some live shows. Uh, no, <laughs> no, definitely not live. No, it'll be it'll be pre-recorded. All right. Um, but the emails do continue to come in uh, on the conversation we had earlier in the week about college classes that just didn't really help us later in life. Uh, from Zach Eaton in uh, Anna Cortez. Washington State, uh, who, as Zach writes, I took bowling in college. It was the only PE class that I could smoke during. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still a terrible bowler. From Daniel in Oklahoma City, the class that I took that I remember nothing from was called Minds, Brains, and Computers. It was an upper division psychology, I think it was a psych course, that I took as an undergrad at the University of Arizona. While moving from Los Angeles to Oklahoma City, I found a paper I wrote from that course 
and I had no idea what the paper was about. All that being said, I did receive a C in the class. Well done, if you can pull off a C in a class like that. And from Eric Head in Knoxville, Tennessee, I graduated from the University of Florida back in the 1980s. I'm currently 50 years old. As part of my English requirements, I took a course on poetry. I am not a poet. I was not an English major. I understand that many people find great beauty in poetry. They love poetry, but I did not love that class. I cannot recall today anything useful I learned in that class. I was left feeling that there must be something wrong with me because I could not find the beauty in poetry. Last year, it crossed my mind that perhaps now that I'm a few years older with a larger perspective on life, maybe it was time to look into this poetry subject again. So I visited our local library and checked out a book with a collection of poems by the greatest English poets of history. I honestly sat down and tried to appreciate them. I even read some to my wife. I was left bewildered because apparently I have not matured enough yet to appreciate poetry. I tried. I really did try. Alas, maybe someday. I love the commitment there. I love that he really gave it another shot. And it's like, no. And I could totally identify with that because I'm also someone who understands that there is great beauty in poetry. I just don't, it, it, it doesn't really come to me. But you, you went to college, the, yes. U- the University of Yale. <laughs> and I'm sure, in, infrequently referred to as such. And, uh, like me, I'm sure you had a great time in college, learned a lot in college, but there had to have been at least one class that you look back on and think, other than getting a grade in that class, in my adult lifetime, that has not served me once. But, you know, I was a liberal arts major, so I almost all of them I, I apply under that, that standard. Uh, but uh, I would say Swahili is one that comes to mind as a course that I took, which I did not... Why did you Make, take it in the first place? Well, I was an African studies major at the time. I, I, I changed my major uh, later on, but I had to have a couple of years of, of an African language as part of the, the requirements for the major. And it sort of came down to Swahili or Arabic, and Arabic would have t- turned out to be kind of a useful thing. I mean, Swahili, if I'd pursued it, would have been as, as useful as uh, any other language. Here in America, you generally don't use any of them. Um, and, and so I'm sorry, I didn't pursue it a little bit more, but I, I, I would have to say that I remember very, very, very few words of, of Swahili. I also like that Zach Eaton looked at all of the options in PE and went with the one that would enable him to still smoke. That's, a, I, I, I guess when, when I was visiting some, colleges, some, I remember visiting a college in California and finding out you could get a credit for taking windsurfing. And, wow! And just thinking, my God, why, why am I, why am I going to look at any other college? <laughs> and you passed up that college I to go to up Yale. <laughs> Keep the emails coming. Radio at fool Bill Barker from Motley Fool Funds. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.